Uh, let's have a word of prayer. Our Lord and our God, you are so big and we are so small. We thank you that you allow us to come into thy presence. And Lord, as we open your word and look at it, um, it is indeed a fearful thing to handle your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would give me the words to say and, uh, and that we would have ears to hear. Bless us now, we pray. I ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles handy, turn to Genesis 42. We're going to be looking at verse 36. So that's Genesis 42 and verse 36. And Jacob, their father, said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not. And ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. Leading up to this situation in our text, many years prior to this incident, Pharaoh had had two dreams that were interpreted by Joseph through the power and providence of God. Seven years of plenty would be followed by seven years of famine. So moved by his interpretation, Pharaoh releases Joseph from prison and makes him second in command to himself. Joseph is put in charge of setting up an elaborate plan of storing away grain during the seven years of plenty in preparation for the famine that was to come. And when the famine strikes, we read in Genesis 41, 57, and all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn because that the famine was so sore in all lands. This famine had struck even Canaan and upon hearing of grain in Egypt, in Genesis 42, 3 and 4, we read, And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, Lest peradventure mischief shall befall him. When the ten brothers arrive in Egypt, they come, unbeknownst to them, face to face with their brother Joseph. The very one whom they had sold into slavery some 22 years earlier. They didn't recognize him. Too much time had passed. But in an effort to test them, Joseph accuses them of being spies. He holds them in prison for three days and then withholds Simeon from them. He sends the other nine back to Canaan with specific instructions to return with their youngest brother to prove they are not spies. And upon arriving home to their father, not only do they inform Jacob of the trouble that had befallen them in Egypt, but when they open their sacks of grain, each finds the money he had brought to Egypt with which to buy the grain. And this brings us to Jacob's reaction in our text. And Jacob, their father, said unto them, me, ye bereaved, ye, me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. Now, Jacob does three things here that are so common to man in his distress. First of all, he points the finger. Secondly, he numbers his losses. And thirdly, he exaggerates his state. So we see right off Jacob pointing the finger and blaming his sons. Me have ye bereaved of my children. And isn't that so human? It is so like us. We're so quickly to look to place the blame on somebody else for our situation. It's the instant response of the flesh to look to find fault with another. Now, this all started way back at the beginning of creation, as soon as sin had entered in. Adam and Eve had just disobeyed God by eating the fruit God had commanded them not to, and they were hiding from him amongst the trees in the garden. Of course, God knew where they were. 
he knew what they had done. Psalm 69.5 says, Oh God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. But when God calls unto Adam and says, Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Adam's response in Genesis 3.12 is, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And when God says to Eve, What is this that thou hast done? She replies, The serpent beguiled me, and so I did eat. So Adam bravely throws his wife under the bus, and Eve Eve says, Satan made me do it. It's the sinful flesh's way of getting the heat off of ourselves to look to pin the blame on others for our own situations. We can find all sorts of things that, and sorts of people and things to blame. I wouldn't lose my temper if the people around me were easier to get along with. I would be a very patient person if it weren't for traffic jams and long lines at the grocery store. I would have a pure mind and wouldn't lust if there weren't so many sensual images in our culture. I wouldn't worry about the future if the world was more secure. I would be much more spiritual and on fire for Christ if my pastor delivered better sermons. I would obey authority better if my leaders were more godly. I wouldn't be bitter and I would forgive more if I were not treated so wrongly. I could be more happy if my circumstances were not so difficult. The list goes on and on. It's easy to fall into that trap of pointing the finger as Jacob did, but we should remember Romans 2.1. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. And honestly, we should try and be more like Job, We read in Job 1, verses 20 to 22. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. In the second point, Jacob numbers his losses. After blaming his sons that returned from Egypt, Jacob starts making a list. And it's not a list of his manifold blessings. It's a list of his losses. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away. We hear no hint from Jacob in his reaction of anything good. Jacob doesn't say this situation, it it seems so dark. But I do recall when God spoke to me in my dream and told me, Behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. He doesn't say that God led me out from under the thumb of Laban, or that he delivered me from the hand of Esau, whom I had been so deceitful with, or that he blessed me after I wrestled with him all night. And how often do we make a list of all of those things that we count as losses? and completely ignore the deliverances and blessings that God has bestowed upon us countless times in our lives? How often does the devil remind us of all that is seemingly wrong in our lives and in the world around us, so much so that we are blinded to all the good that has come before? There are some very powerful verses to meditate on when we, like like Jacob, are prone to count our curses instead of our blessings. Psalm 68, 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, who daily loadeth us with benefits. 
In Psalm 103 too, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And over in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, we read, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. And finally, the third point, Jacob exaggerates his state. After pointing the finger and numbering his losses, Jacob has this to say, all these things are against me. Now we know the rest of the story, so it's a little bit unfair for us to be too hard on Jacob. But everything he says is not true. But he's not willfully lying. He just doesn't see the big picture. And he is not placing his trust in the God that has worked countless miracles in his life and in the lives of his people. We could say that he's in a dark tunnel with very low visibility and Satan's having a heyday bringing him into full despair. Jacob's words, Joseph, is not, are not accurate. Although gone for 22 years and all hope seems lost, Joseph is second in command in Egypt and is being used of God to pave the way to save the Israelites from starvation. Jacob's words, Simeon, is not, are not accurate. Simeon is being held in Egypt under the direction of Joseph so that a tremendous family reunion can take place. Jacob's words, ye will take Benjamin away, are also not accurate. Yes, Benjamin will go down to Egypt with his brothers, but it's not for nefarious purposes. But in all this, Jacob does what we all do so often. We take the limited information from our circumstances and we piece together the worst case scenario in our mind, and we say, as Jacob did, all these things are against me. I'm reminded in this portion in Exodus 14, 10 to 11, and when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? And what is God about to do? God's about to part the Red Sea and allow the Israelites to walk across on dry land. And after that, he will drown the Egyptian army in the sea. But we behave just like the Israelites and Jacob, exaggerating our troubles and forgetting God and Satan loves it. Satan loves for us to be hopeless. He loves for us to be despondent. He loves for us to spend more time dwelling on our troubles than dwelling on the holy and righteous God that created us in the world we live in. When we are in this state of mind, we are useless to God. We serve a God that loves us. We serve a God that is so far beyond our comprehension and this holy, perfect, righteous, omnipotent, omnipresent, sovereign, merciful. We could go on and on and on. Our God is wonderful and he loves us. Isaiah 55, 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. May we all learn from Jacob's response upon his son's return from Egypt, and may God grant us the ability to avoid pointing the finger and trying to place the blame on others. May give us the ability to count our blessings instead of our perceived losses. 
And may he give us the ability to keep from exaggerating our situation. Psalm 23, 4 to 6. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.